Previously on Story Jazz, Fourth Life. The transfer of money within the dog law server, the bourgeoisie, you're calling them? If we can expose them to the world, we can maybe bring them to justice. Do you know anything more about Cincinnati? Do you have any idea how we could get in touch with them? I'll talk to some old friends. Buzzy, I need somebody to go take care of something. Be careful. I know the captain seems nice, but he's a dangerous man. And he's so, so long. (laughs) It looks like uh, you're trying to get into the blocks. The blocks are off limit. He starts walking through these rows and rows and rows of featureless homes. As he gets closer, he can see a glowing figure of a bat. And their name is H.M. Darkvision. All the other houses have the same sort of 80s CRT TVs, and all of them are running, and the black light is oozing out of them. He turns a corner and almost runs into a very long person. (laughs) In the name of justice, we can't play favorites. The bat just glitches through Casper's hand and drives its feet into their face. What the heck? (laughs) Buzzy's vision goes dark. He's dropped in the main menu of Fourth Life with an error message saying, you lost connection to the server. Dear listeners and dear you, Softy. Hi, first of all. Hey. As you know, um, we here at Story Jazz take ourselves very, very seriously. And, um, you know, we want to keep things moving and we don't want to get bogged down in a single story for too long. Because as you said so poignantly uh, in whatever the first episode of, of Fourth Life was, if you find something really gold, sometimes you got to just drop it. So we're, we're thinking that this f- part four of Fourth Life is going to probably be the last one for a while. And we're going to start a new story after this. Yeah, I think it's important to to not dwell too long. This The idea of jazz is to keep it moving and keep it fresh. And we're getting a little bit into the weeds on this story. So we're going to do our best to bring this, at least this arc of this story, to a, to a climax, to a conclusion of some kind, so that we feel comfortable to move on to the next. And maybe that's our challenge for this episode. Find some sort of ending. And if it's a cliffhanger, hey, that's okay. Then uh, one day in a million years, we'll continue uh, from that cliffhanger. So you said you had an idea for a cold open. Uh, hit me with it. All right. Okay. Do you want me to do like a little like a little jingle? Like a little, oh my gosh, here it goes. This is story jazz. It begins. Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the tagline. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Billy and Buzzworth has been confined to his room, clicking around on, you know, the Minecraft server. He's been thinking about all the things that he could be doing in Fourth Life, the game he got kicked out of. His sister's been trying to cheer him up. An endless supply of Fig Newtons, you know, buying his favorite ice cream, which is Rocky Road. I don't fucking know ice cream names. <laughs> it's the worst. You're the least qualified person to come up with a good ice cream. I haven't had ice cream in 15 years. Um, Rocky Road's good. I don't even know what that means. I think there's rocks in it. That makes sense. So Buzzy's just, he's just lost, right? He invested himself in this world. He he got a job 
I mean, he's only 11 years old, but he, this was, this was his life. This is what he wanted to do. This is, this had started to become real life for him. And it got taken away. Grems realized this. Grems been looking out for her brother for three years now. And she wants to cheer him up. And she, she can't fix fourth life or get him back in. But she's got a plan that, that might, might bring fourth life to him. It's a Friday afternoon, which is when all great stories start. <laughs> Buzzy's out of school. He's finishing up the last of his multivariable calculus homework because that's what 11-year-olds are doing these days. <laughs> and Graham knocks on the door. Hey, Buzz, you got a minute? You can just call me Billy. Buzzy's gone. Well, I've got somebody or some people that maybe you might want to meet. What do you mean? Grab your mask. Let's go outside. And Buzzy sluggishly gets up, closes his calculus book or app <laughs> on his iPad, grabs a, you know, standard respiratory filter mask and uh, follows his sister outside into a gray-skied world sparsely dotted with vegetation. They walk down the cobbled steps of the apartment down to the street. There's some automated street cleaners. There's a couple of drones can be heard overhead. There's one lugging a package way too heavy for the drone itself, and it's kind of scraping across the ground as it's carrying it up to one of the nearby apartments. It keeps knocking against the side of the building and going, sorry, 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 please make space. There's robots like crazy out here, but there's barely any humans. A couple of figures in the distance down the road, but everybody seems to be inside their apartments and houses. Except for two at the bottom of the steps. They're sitting on a curb in front of a huge truck. And on the side of the truck, in big spray-painted letters, says Frank. The figures turn around. Two, a guy and a girl, pretty heavy-set people, turn around and their eyes light up at the sight of Graham. And simultaneously, they say, Yo, Graham, what's up? Hey, girl, how you been? <laughs> Buzzy freezes on the spot and just watches as Graham um, hugs these people. Does she? No, right? Because pandemic time. Fuck. They don't hug, but as amiable as possible while maintaining a two meter separation, these characters look like they haven't seen each other in forever. They do a little like... A little, like, hand-on-the-chest bowing thing. <laughs> it looks really weird from our perspective, but in this world, that's just the way that you shake hands or hug, you know? Buzzy's confused. There's two people here, and they look pretty similar. To each other? Eerily similar. They, they must be siblings of some kind. One of them, uh, the guy, he's got sort of a scruffy beard, maybe the only distinguishing piece between the two of them, bends over to to look at Buzzy and says, well, <laughs> you must be Buzzy. And he winks. 
And Buzzy goes, you must be Frank, and that's your sibling? I'm only half of Frank. This is the other half. (laughs) And Buzzy goes, oh. And Graham goes, oh, okay. (laughs) The girl who's who's still standing upright she looks at Graham and says we had you you've played wow with us for years and and you didn't realize that we were actually two people so which of you is actually named frank then neither of us i mean (laughs) it's a name but we share it we share the character why not cool name says Graham. cool name but like you could have gone for like uh, a little more creative, like techno gremlin. That's kind of cool, right? Or um, buzz cut. I, it's not very creative, but like hey. you, you could have gone with anything. You went went with Frank. Actually, Frank is uh, somebody who was really important to us. So the girl says, "Well, Buzzy, when your sister reached out to us and and said you'd been kicked from Fourth Life, we thought we'd come pay you a visit." Especially since your sister also found, well, found a lead on Cincinnati. We thought maybe we'd all go check it out together. Unless, unless you're, you're not on the job, unless you don't want to be a detective anymore. No, I, I want to be a detective. I mean, <laughs> I uh, wasn't expecting you to be, what, 10? You're 10, right? I'm 11. Okay, 11. Well, 11 clearly qualifies you as a d- detective then. And Graham comes to his defense and says, hey, he was doing pretty well for himself on Fourth Life. You believe he was a grown-up. All it took was a voice modulator. The, the girl says, that's true. You can call me Fran. <laughs> and this is my brother, Hank. Hank? Did you say Hank? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. When I said Frank was somebody who was very important to us, <laughs> I meant us. The two of us, we are very important to us, as you may be able to tell. <laughs> Buzzy sort of does the the index fingers poking against each other motion from anime. <laughs> Not really, but he goes, what about Webby and, um, you know, Viola? Uh, what about them? They won't come along? Well, Viola lives in Europe, right? Yeah, and before before we drove here, the administration had just kicked her out of, removed her detective slot. So she's been a bit on the run. Buzzy's heart sinks as he realizes he, he may have been able to warn her. But don't worry about that right now. If you uh, hop in the back of the truck, we can probably make it to Cincinnati's place in eight hours. Graham looks at Buzzy and she says, road trip? Um, you got any games in that truck? Do I have games? We smash cut to... Buzzy with a small duffel bag and Graham with a sort of hiking backpack on, uh, sort of pulling open the the back of the truck, and it's like opening the doors to a to a candy store for for Techno Gremlin and and Billy and Buzzworth. They open it up and there's blinking lights. There's two like HD VR rigs with suspension sets so that you can get a full range of motions set up in the back of the truck. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's 
there's a whole hookup, there's a series, there's one of those um, multi-generational Nintendo suite single device <laughs> uh, consoles set up in the back. Uh, there's everything, right? There's, there is a whole wall shelved with games with little straps around each shelf so the games don't fly out of the shelf as you drive along the road. It's, it's rigged up. And, and on one side is a couch with some makeshift seatbelts on it. Well, just uh, load up and uh, we'll be on the way. And then Fran says, I'll be driving. Hank is a terrible driver. Don't worry. I won't make him drive you. I let him drive sometimes, but only when there's nothing but robots on the road. And everybody straps in and this truck starts huffing and puffing down the robot riddled road. One of the last diesel vehicles ever. <laughs> totally illegal. Like just morally unjustifiable. Oh. And it swerves through the through the delivery drones on these old roads that barely anybody's actually using anymore. And uh, uh, Hank reaches over into Fran's, uh, uh, into the steering wheel and goes, hit that one. And like just sort of bumps the steering wheel a bit so the car swerves and hits uh, one, uh, hits like a, a little humanoid one-wheeler robot carrying along a, a package that says fragile and the robot <laughs> falls and the package splatters China everywhere. And he goes, I'm sorry, and uh, writes himself and then uh, continues on with an empty package. Oh, no. Frank grabs a, an old makeshift PA system. Uh, Wait, Hank or Fran? Hank. He's not driving, right? He grabs <laughs> the old PA system uh, and he says... Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. If you'll fold your tray tables in the upright lock position, we'll be making landing in approximately seven hours and 55 minutes. I hope you've had a wonderful flight. Or are going to have a wonderful flight. <laughs> I want to jump to a totally different scene idea that I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. try to make compatible with this. Oh, we will. We will. So, meanwhile, in fourth life, Webby has been running the shop for the past few days, just as usual. Police presence has increased severely. Uh, the captain recently held a public uh, speech. All the screens in town lit up. All And where there weren't any screens, just the textures of buildings, the walls of buildings lit up with this video. Um, or it would just stream straight into people's headsets if they were out and about on missions and stuff. The captain's face appeared on all these screens. Is extremely long face <laughs> so imagine you're out on a mission battling some i don't know low level slime enemies or whatever and suddenly this long man is in front of you he rises from the ground <laughs> arcing ever upward into the horizon sorry go and his booming voice intones dear citizens of dog law there is no cause for alarm during the next few weeks we will be instating a special emergency state patrols and personal controls will be increased significantly as we are facing a threat of subterfuge hacking and what could even be described as a form of guerrilla warfare yes i pronounced that correctly i just happen to be bilingual hispanic this is part of my backstory which is very very detailed just as my appearance is very detailed. And, okay. This is all connected to the remaining 
members of a cyber terrorist organization dating back to the early days of the dog law servers. They call themselves the Fractal. If you see their symbol anywhere, please report it immediately to the authorities. As I've said, this is no cause for concern. Please go about your day. Thank you for understanding. Of course, this announcement, boldly titled No Cause for Concern, <laughs> did cause quite a bit of concern among the uh, citizens of Doglaw, not least Webby and Viola. After this happened, Viola went straight to the captain's office. She burst through the door. Capitan, what is happening? What? There was no briefing on this? What is happening? Viola, I need to ask you to stay calm. Please sit. I am calm. I do not need to sit. <sighs> or perhaps I should say I'm already sitting. Wait, you're sitting she IRL? Says, <laughs> standing. <laughs> she, whenever she gets nervous, one of her flamingo legs raises up. I am already sitting. And she raises her leg. <laughs> Where is Chief Chief Chief? I haven't seen him for th- three days. And, and why do you make this announcement? When uh, it clearly, it, it would be his job. And the captain says, Viola, I'm very happy that you've shown up. It, it makes it unnecessary for me to come find you. What do you mean, come find me? Is there something, something you needed to tell me or what? Actually, I believe there's something you need to tell me. And what uh, would that be? Perhaps it is related to a certain plot of subterfuge and cyber-terrorism you might have information about. (laughs) I don't... I haven't started an investigation into this fractal nonsense. In fact, I believe this is all blown way out of proportion. I would like to speak to Chief Chief Chief, please. I want to hear his word on the situation. This is not, you are not authorized to do this sort of, and she freezes as um, the captain moves one finger. Oh, (laughs) Viola, you do not know what I am authorized to do and what I am not authorized to do. And um, as he stands up, his long form extending into the (laughs) skybox, his skin peels away, revealing the same silvery, uh, iridescent skin that Chief 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 always wore. You know, the green and purple reflections on it. And he bends down to her and says, look at this. Oh, that's her, that's her accent. <laughs> it's, in, it's contagious. I don't even know if it is a correct French accent, but it is contagious. I cannot stop. French. 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 That's French. I am from France. France. Oh, the French people. The French people. It is so French. French bread. This is the budget. The budget. He bends down and, and says, look at this nice skin I found. It was just lying around on an unused character. Well, now it's mine. I just peeled it right off him. Viola's eyes sort of dart back and forth the way Buzzy's did weeks ago when he was frozen, getting his hands removed. We've been watching you, Viola. We've been watching your insolent activities. And uh, the fact is, I simply don't trust you anymore. And I need to trust my detectives. 
you've done good work over the years, but maybe you've uh, started snooping around where you shouldn't have. So uh, we've been looking to open up one of our detective slots anyway. So um, I'm sorry, but we're gonna we're gonna have to let you go uh, in the most direct and effective way. And he holds up two fingers, ready to snap them. Viola's sprite is completely frozen, and against all probability, and against the very purpose, the very nature of the article itself, her wallet attached to a wallet chain Mm -hmm. falls out of her pocket and onto the floor. Mm -hmm. And then the captain snaps and slowly her sprite dissolves. It sort of pixelates at first and then powderizes and then slides into a thin film into the virtual air and is gone. And the captain, despite all of his length, doesn't notice the wallet that's lying on the ground. And he sits back at his chair, opens a cabinet, retrieves his doorknob, plunges it into one of the doors, one of the walls, opens the door, and leaves. After a long, long breath, the wallet flips open, flips upright, and like an inchworm slides itself across the floor. (laughs) Since this incident, nobody has seen or heard from Viola, except in chats outside the game. And Webby has been running the shop. Frank told her that uh, he would be gone for a while due to some IRL business, um, trying to meet up with Graham and Buzzy, and Webby would need to take care of the store for that time in order to not raise any suspicion. Now, a few days later, she's just hanging around on the ceiling from where her eight eyes can get the best view of the shop and of the various um, customers trying out tops and bottoms. It's still cute. I promise you, audience, even though the shopkeeper (laughs) is hanging from the ceiling watching everybody with her eight eyes, it's still cute. Her spider webs are rainbow colored, okay? There we go. So the door goes... And she looks toward it with one of her eight eyes. And nobody's there. And it closes again. And she goes, um, hello? And she pulls herself up by the string coming out of her spider butt and scrabbles across the roof, across (laughs) the ceiling, and closes in on the door. Little mandibles out. Venom dripping from her mandibles. Cute venom. The the venom is also rainbow colored. And she goes, are you using an invisible skin? Because those aren't allowed anymore. And um, she hears a tiny voice going, hello, I'm down here. She looks around. Right here, Webby. Use use your eight eyes. What have you got them for? Can you not zoom (laughs) on your tiny, on on your headset? I'm small. Look at the ground. And Webby zooms at the ground and sees a little purple wallet pushing itself along like a, like a, what did you say? A worm? Like an inchworm. Like an inchworm. (laughs) (laughs) Viola, is that you? What are you, where were you these past few days? I couldn't, I was moving over here. It took me three days to come over here. I'm tiny. 
They restricted my access. I cannot log out. If I log out, uh, my sprite is gone forever. And now I have to uh, uh, stay constantly logged in because I am only this object that has somehow slipped through in a loophole of the system. Well, okay, you're going really fast. No, I'm going really slow. I've been going <laughs> slow for three days. And finally, I have arrived here. Now I want to go to the, the your secret back room and talk about strategy, please. <laughs> Oh, okay, let me, let me just open the door. Can you carry me downstairs? That would be really, really nice. Yes, of, of course. And Webby hops down, picks up the wallet. So in this fictional world, it is an eight-hour drive from Minneapolis to Cincinnati. I don't actually know <laughs> if it's an eight-hour drive. Oh, yeah, of course. Cincinnati lives in Cincinnati. That's not, it's hard to figure out. <laughs> it's a lead. Where, where could they possibly be? <laughs> um, I'm I'm checking it on Google. It seems like it would be longer than eight hours. Let's see, Minneapolis by car, ten hours and thirty minutes. Now, better roads, fast drivers, fast, reckless drivers. Yeah, no traffic, pressurized tunnel. Yeah, yeah. I could see it taking eight hours. Sure. Welcome to Story Jazz, the most well-researched storytelling format <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Grem and Buzzy sit in the couch in the bed of the covered truck. Uh, Buzzy is strapped in, playing a playing Super Smash Bros. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Singularity <laughs> with uh, with an old Atari controller because he's sort of messing around with it. Super Smash Bros. Singularity is where Super Smash Bros. becomes self-aware and uh, starts <laughs> starts developing its own personality. It just it keeps coming up with new fighters, and they're all Fire Emblem characters. It's got an AI that writes new Fire Emblem games in order to generate new Fire Emblem characters <laughs> to add them to Singularity. Exactly. So while Buzzy's uh, messing around trying to figure out how to play Smash on an Atari controller. Graham is looking at a map of Cincinnati while talking to Fran and Hank about, you know, trying to navigate in this city because the map they have is from a little while ago and they're trying to figure out how they can track down this IP address uh, of the last time Cincinnati logged in to WoW because they have no data from Fourth Life. He never was in Fourth Life and Third Life is gone, but... He once upon a time logged into WoW with Fran and Hank and, and Grem. So they're just going to track down that IP address and see if they can find him. The last known location for that IP address is a 20-story building in the lower east side of Cincinnati, right next to the ruined remains of the Roebling Bridge. Nice. Nice research, bro. <laughs> and so they pull up. And they look up at it, and the, and the building looks, by all means, abandoned. There's, like, uh, cracked windows and uh, a graveyard of air conditionings that fell out of the various windowsills all around it. But this is the spot. The Graham sort of nudges Buzzy. Now's the time to put on that detective gear and, and do it. Real life. Okay. Um, what do I need? Uh, do you, does your phone have like a, a, a voice recorder app? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
And she hands him her phone. Thanks. And he walks away 10, 20 meters and starts recording and says, and looks over his shoulder and goes, Hey, Viola, I know it must be shocking to hear my real voice, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm out here in IRL in Cincinnati. We're trying to track down an old friend, uh, who named himself after the town he lived in, which it seems like that name would have been taken, but I guess it wasn't. Anyway, we're heading into a really creepy-looking old building, and, well, I just, I just, I, I need somebody to talk to, so I'm going to take you with me, all right? Let's go. And he waves to the others, and he continues recording as he goes up the, the steps to a bashed-in glass door and peeks his head inside and looks around the ancient, musty-smelling stairway. Hank leans over and says, excuse me there, bud. And Buzzy moves out of the way as Hank puts a crowbar in between the sort of broken glass door and and then a crack in the sort of rusted steel lock pops open and the door swings and smashes against the wall, breaking the remainder of the glass on it to to pieces. And the, the four of them sort of look around nervously, but there's not even a robot in sight in this part of town. They slowly make their way up the steps. It creaks and it groans, um, but there's not a sound of life. They make it up to the 14th floor before Graham points out a piece of graffiti on the wall and says, guys, that, that can't be a coincidence, right? I mean, come on. And on the wall is uh, a, a crude drawing of a, of a dragon with one beefy arm and two tiny little wings uh, sprouting out of its back, but they're a little lower than they should be. <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the dragon, the strong bad dragon. Trogdor. Trogdor, oh my God. I'm, I'm pulling out all the stops and all the references here. Well, it might just be a Trogdor. You don't know that this has to do with Cincinnati. And Grum says, well, maybe Cincinnati was inspired by Trogdor. What do you think, Buzzy? Yeah, you're the detective here, little man. Buzzy ignores Hank's provocations and looks at the dragon closer and can see in the chest of the drawing a little square that somebody painted there later on with a different color. And on that square, some squiggly lines that it's hard to, hard, are hard to parse, but he feels like it's supposed to be a recreation of the fractal symbol that he's seen everywhere. And at this point, he's just not surprised to see it. No, he says, and he taps his finger against the wall there. I think that's supposed to be Cincinnati. So the the four of them turned to the door at the 14th floor. And with a creak, they pull it open and reveal a hallway of more doors. More doors? Well, little man, what, what room? What room is he in? And Fran says, yeah, you gotta, you gotta decide carefully. You know, you don't simply walk into more doors. <laughs> and Graham goes, all right. <laughs> 
That's exactly what I would have made Graham say, like <laughs> word for word, because that's what I say. <laughs> Softy All says, right. all right. Yeah. All right, Sam. Buzzy says, actually, I, I think we could just check all the rooms. There's no reason not to. Yeah, realistically, Francis. Yeah, I, I agree. That that wasn't really... I was just trying to make the pun, so... Every room it is. And Hank just sort of like bowls past the other ones of them and just throws the door and says, Hey, Cincinnati! And then closes the door and opens the next one. Hey, Cincinnati! <laughs> and then closes the door and opens the next one. Hey, Cincinnati! And the other three just sort of like watch him just open the door. He doesn't even look inside. He just opens and yells for Cincinnati and then closes the door again. <laughs> but all these apartments are empty. Cleaned out. Or not cleaned out. Cleared out, but very unclean. Ultimately, they... What do they find? I don't know. All right. So, out of character or out of story? Yeah. The question here is, is Cincinnati still living here? Or does Cincinnati leave them another clue? Okay, I have I have something. They've opened eight doors. And there's only a ninth one left. And... um. Hank goes up to it and is ready to grab the knob. And Buzzy goes, wait, Hank. And Hank stops. What? It's going to be empty like all the other ones. And Buzzy goes, I just want to be a little more careful about this, okay? Let's, 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 let's investigate the scene the way that a de- detective would. Minimal contact. Let's not disturb the evidence, you know, that sort of thing. Hank goes, okay, excuse me, little man. And Grem says, come on, let him have this. Grem is happy to see her brother active again and trying to, you know, figure things out. So she pulls Hank aside by his shoulder and Buzzy steps forward and reaches for the knob and opens the door. Says, anyone home? He raises the voice recorder and says, I'm looking at an empty room, very, very dusty, Pretty much nothing here except for some old boxes. Um, the dust is, I would say, about three years of dust, <laughs> just thickly caked. So I'm kind of carefully walk, uh, and and his feet, his steps leave little footprints in the dust as he walks through. Dang. Sorry, Viola. I think, I think this whole fifteen minute voice memo is is for nothing. I, I don't think we're finding anything here. Wait. And he goes to the end of the room, and in a little corner, there's a big old box um, that seems so so stuffed full that it's almost bursting at the top. And you can see somebody wrote a V on it with Sharpie, and then the rest of whatever it says there is covered in tape. And Buzzy pulls off the tape, and it says VR stuff. And very carefully, he opens the box. And Hank says, well, so much for not tampering with evidence. And Fran and Graham both go, Psh. Elbow him. Elbow him. And Buzzy pulls out a sort of older headset, the first generation that had Neuralink. And on the back, in Sharpie, are the initials CS. Counter-Strike. No. <laughs> um, and he looks at Graham. And Graham shrugs, and Buzzy continues to pull out all these things, headsets of all generations, incredible, like, high-end tech. Well, it was high-end a couple of years ago. And he, and, and Fran goes, that looks like it's 
Cincinnati's old rig, maybe? And Buzzy picks up his voice recorder again and says, Oh boy, we really found something here, Viola. I mean... And he looks over at all the others and they sort of grin. Um, I gotta go. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. And he hits end on the recording. Graham and Fran uh, leave Hank in the hallway and step carefully into the room, putting their feet in the tiny footprints of Buzzy to sort of not disturb the room anymore. And they help Buzzy sort everything that's in the box and piece by piece pass stuff out to Hank, who has the job of carrying them down to the truck. And they start reassembling what was probably Cincinnati's old rig in the truck to try to figure out if anything's missing. Okay, give me a second. Okay, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I had to look something up to remember what it sounds like. A couple hours later, the sun's already going down, and uh, they've got the rig strapped in, hooked up to the TV that the consoles are hooked up to, and Buzzy hits the power button with a satisfying old... <laughs> it's one of those that really like clicks in. It's a really old uh, uh, tower. And the computer takes a long time before it does its post-beep. Fran is standing there with a compressed air thing, just blowing into it, trying to keep it cool because it's burning up with all the dust. It's at the end of the truck and out, out the end of the truck, it's just like cloud. <laughs> Worse than the diesel engine. Clouds and clouds of, of thick dust, even like a bit of like moldy spores and just caked, you know? But it starts up and it goes, wing, wing, wing. <laughs> That's my imitation of the Windows 7 startup sound. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> That's what I just looked up. <laughs> Amazing. So it starts up on Windows 7 and all of them at the same, Graham, Fran, and Hank all go, whoa, Windows 7? And uh, Buzzy just goes, what's Windows? <laughs> and Graham pats him on the head. Because in this grim, dark future, all that exists is Linux. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, that's kind of utopian, isn't it? Probably. I think that's, that would be a utopian future. Well, it's not dystopia, right? This is just futurism. Yes. Um, yeah. What do we see? What's his desktop background? <laughs> is I think it's a it's a it's a trogdor, right? Yeah, it's a photorealistic trogdor. It's a, it's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a bunch of uh, funky stuff on his uh, desktop. Um, including a, a folder that says uh, secret stuff and <laughs> definitely not porn. Yeah, I, I think maybe even Buzzy clicks on it and quickly like Fran leans over and clicks out of it when she realizes what it is. <laughs> a notification pops up from give me a, give me a different name for a Dropbox like cloud service. <laughs> I safe haven. Safe haven. Oh, that's so good. I was going to go cumulonimbus, but that's a little much <laughs> a little little too like seventh grade. Yeah. Um, all right. A little notification pops up. Safe haven. Sinking 8,093 files. 59 hours remaining. Everybody just sort of stares at that. Uh, looks like we got a lot to sift through, Graham says. You want to jump back to Webby and... Uh... I think so. I don't really know what they're going to do next. I think I know. We smash cut to 
darkness in Dog Law. The pseudo night. Webby is skittering from one rooftop to the next, cupping a small wallet in her hand. She's her eight eyes are darting about carefully. Um, she's got one of those ski masks over her head, except for her eyes peek out of all of the little like little holes in the ski mask. <laughs> Viola, who at this point has eaten several meals while still logged into Doglaw because she refuses to let go because she knows that if she logs out, her her IP address will be blocked out completely and she won't be able to to get back into Doglaw. She's stuck in this wallet form, at least for the time being. Webby skitters over the last rooftop at the end of the road and they look at the fountain and they look to the right and they see the gate with the big letters at the top that read the blocks. Somebody whistles to them. Just a light, breathy, not really a very good whistle, but it does the trick (laughs) without being too loud. Um, Webby hops off the side of a building and Spider-Man slings herself to a gentle skidding halt in front of a small kobold-like character with cool technical gloves and equipment. It's Grem. And Grem says, All right, okay, I can see the problem now. Yes, you can see the problem, says Viola. I am stuck in this tiny little wallet form. We need to change. We need to switch. I love how desperate and angry Viola sounds now that she's in her wallet form. Yes, it is very annoying. I can hardly do anything. All right, do you have the upgrade so we can switch? Uh, Yeah, sure. I don't really know how to work this, but... And quickly, in the shadow of the gate, the two exchange uh, login information and uh, manage to swap characters so that Viola can uh, survive undercover on Dagla using Grem's tune, while Grem, for the time being, stays logged in via a little app on her phone that you, she usually just uses to sell uh, resell items on on various <laughs> fourth life servers but she manages to, she logs in to Viola's character there which allows her to stay logged in and not lose her wallet character while Viola can operate as Graham. All right, Graham says. Uh, All right, Graham says <laughs> now in the form of Viola's <laughs> wallet. Um I don't know how long this will last. Also why is my voice high pitched just cuz I'm a smaller character? Viola stretches in form of Grem, Grem's techno gremlin and says, Yeah, I don't know. It is uh, very annoying, I know, but I feel much better now. My voice is a little bit higher than it used to be because your character is smaller. I think they just sort of programmed it that way for smaller characters to have higher voices. I think it's cute, don't you? Yeah, sure. Anyway, I'll just... um, Webby can just carry me around, I guess. I'll, uh, I'll leave my phone on for as long as I can. Uh, Viola now in Grem's body, turns to Webby and says, Well, uh, Webby, are you ready? It's now or never to get into the blocks. And Webby says, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good. If you want to stay anonymous, though, you might want to, I don't know, is there a voice modulator that removes accents or something? <laughs> no offense. And Viola says, Non taken. I would see an accent as a... Uh, Signal of virtue, I have learned another language while you Americans have just, uh, you know, stayed with the one. 
well, actually, I'm not American. I'm Australian. But I use an accent to make myself seem American. Well, it is not so easy for everyone, Rebi. <laughs> also, I do not think my accent is that strong. It is not going to be noticed by people except for people who know me, maybe. Now, let's, let's stop with this nonsense. Enter the blocks. I will just keep my mouth shut if it must be. Okay. Hi. Sorry. Yep. All right, later, guys. And Graham sort of. <laughs> yeah, Webby folds. Disappears. Viola's uh, old wallet and puts it in her in her back pocket, I guess. She's a spider. I don't know. Um, how do spiders, she has like a pouch. Yeah, tweet at us. How do spiders wear pants? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do they weigh four pairs? Or is it like one set of pants? Or is it just around the butt and the legs are... Or is it like... Anyway. Um, yeah. Where do the suspenders go? Okay. Uh, Great mysteries of life. Webby skitters up to the gate to the blocks, which is locked. The big button, they know, doesn't do anything. But Webby has hacking abilities of her own, as we previously established. She extends her tiny little mechanical mandibles and inserts them into the lock as she starts to fiddle with it. Click. The lock comes open. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to try, try to come up with some line. You know, I'm definitely incriminating myself here. If they, cha- if they check the history of this, uh, if, if they check the history on this, on this gate, they, they're, they're definitely going to see that I tampered. So like, I, I'm done for after this, right? So we got to, it's now or never. And Viola says, yes, well, uh, either we succeed or we give up on dog law, I think. It's a sort of a now or never situation. Click. The gate opens. The gate opens. And they slip through. And they close it behind them again, just as they hear the lumbering footfalls of Casper returning to their post. <sighs> I yawn. I do yawn sometimes when I am alone. I speak to myself because I do not think that I am being observed. (laughs) Yes, yes. Just standing guard at my post. Webby and Viola, hiding behind a miniature Minas Tirith, watch the half-whale elephant hybrid take a seat in front of the gate and... (sighs) Open up a Tetris app. Start playing. Yes, I know it is strange to be playing Tetris on a virtual phone in a virtual reality. But by this point, the realities have mingled and bled into each other so much that I cannot tell the difference anymore. What is real? What is life? I am a whale and an elephant. (laughs) Amazing. Next story is going to be just about Casper. Because I want to hear you do this voice for an hour and a half. Oh, no. As long as it doesn't have Agnes in it, we'll be okay. Webby leans over to Viola and says, So, uh, do you, do you have a lock on, uh, on Buzzy's old recorder? Because that should be out in front of HM Darkvision's house. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to bring that in. Ah. Um, Viola says, yes, uh. Buzzy's uh, sister, Krem, gave me a lock, so I just uh, followed this, and a, a little light emanates, and it shows a sort of dotted pathway that they're supposed to follow directly in front of them. A sort of guided tour meant for beginner quests to make sure beginners don't get off track. And they start walking into the blocks. And eventually, 
a little beep beep comes up on Viola's or originally Grem's uh, radar tool, one of the many technological advancements that the Techno Gremlin carries around with her. What does that mean? Webby says. Viola goes, I don't know. I would assume it uh, means uh, threat. Uh, Grem didn't really tell me everything about these tools that she uses. What do you mean, threat? What could it possibly... Wait. And um, on the street ahead of them, they see another figure darting from block to block, watching them. And as it sees them, it like leans back and pokes its head out again. And like and like makes a face like it knows that it's been noticed. Uh, it's tall and muscular and it has huge anime hair. <laughs> Trust me on this. And Viola waves one of Grem's arms and says, Hell, hell, hello. Over there. I am just another citizen of dog law. And I do not ha- have an accent. <laughs> Webby just sort of like elbows her with one of her eight elbows and goes, Hi, we don't mean any harm. W- what are you looking for out here? And the person carefully steps forward out of the, the from, from behind one of these blocks and points at the ground between them. And on the ground between them is a little rectangular, old-school-looking tape recorder. Ah, uh, yes, that is also what we we are looking for, says <laughs> Viola. And Webby says, just stop. I don't think he's, I don't think we know him. You can just do your regular voice. What do you mean? This is my regular voice. I changed my mind. This is the, this is the person I want you to speak as for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> the anime hero person uh, approaches and Grem quickly, uh, well, Viola in Grem's body quickly steps forward and snatches up the tape recorder before the anime-haired person can and then realizes who it is in front of her. She didn't recognize him without his silvery, iridescent skin. The person with the anime hair opens his mouth and goes, and Viola just stares and goes, Chief, 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 what are you doing here? My name is Softy, and with me... Oh my gosh! Oh no, oh, you startled me. I'm Sam. Oh, you startled me because you you spoke so quickly and I wasn't expecting an episode so soon. This is the the middle of an episode. (laughs) No, yes, but this is the the first time that we've released an episode. Second time. The week after. Shoot, it is the second (laughs) time. But no, but guys, isn't this great? Like, we're releasing an episode just one week after the previous one. And guess what? We're actually releasing the next episode one week after this, too, if my calculations are correct. I do not know if your calculations are correct, but I'm very excited to be releasing so soon. I want more stories out there for our listeners, and I hope that all of our friends want more stories as well. Uh, We're ever thankful, ever loving, and, and ever glad for your support 
and tender love and care. So yes, my calculations are correct. I just checked the calendar again. <laughs> Our release schedule looks as follows. This episode is the finale of the, the fourth life arc for now. Um, and then next week on the 17th of September, we are releasing the first episode of a new arc. I won't tell you what it's about, but it is relevant to an international holiday that falls on the 19th of September, which is why we're releasing this soon. If you want to get spoiled, look it up. I think actually, if you look it up, you will not get spoiled because there's no possible way you can guess what international holiday we are trying to celebrate <laughs> this is with true. the release of our episode. This is true. That being said, uh, please remember to like, subscribe, review us on your podcasting apps to watch us on YouTube, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our handle is at StoryJazzCast. Yeah, and, and also uh, email us at StoryJazzCast at gmail.com if you have ideas or if you just want to talk to us or, you know, tell us uh, we missed a huge plot hole. Whatever, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Currently, our email inbox is overflowing with <laughs> friend mail. <laughs> but we answer every single message. Why are you laughing right now? I'm not laughing. It is. I'm it is. We have a scratching big, the back of audience. my tongue with a fork. I had similar sound. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of the episode, and we will see you in a or hear you or no, we'll neither see nor hear you. You, you will, will hear. hear us they will hear us in a week. We love you. This is a paraso parasocial relationship. They don't. We we love you parasocially. <laughs> I love you genuinely. We love you. We cut back to Cincinnati, the town, not the character. And um, the gray sky of the second day dawning. Robots buzzing along the streets between houses that have collapsed and houses that are still lived in. Uh, a lone diesel truck stands on the street, just in the middle of the street, because nobody's using this street. And in the back of that truck, Buzzy wakes from a more or less sleepless night and jumps right over to uh, the old Windows 7 computer that Cincinnati left behind in order to um, sift through the files that have been downloading. A lot of those thousands of files have downloaded by now, and he just starts clicking through while the others are still sleeping. It must be like 6 a.m. right now, but he just couldn't sleep. And he opens up the safe haven cloud storage folder, the local copy, and he sees another suspicious folder named not suspicious, and he opens it and quickly closes it again when he sees what's inside, and he sees another, another folder named ASDFGHGAIK, <laughs> <laughs> and another folder named cool dragon pictures, and it's actually just a bunch of cool dragon pictures. They are really cool dragon pictures. If Cincinnati had anything, he had a taste in dragons. And then he finds... Um, a folder called Alt Life Downloads. He opens that, and there are two, fo three folders in there. Second Life, just a couple hundred kilobytes. Third Life, couple hundred megabytes. And Fourth Life, couple hundred gigabytes of data. He opens the Fourth Life folder, and he sees all these folders with long numerical strings at the start, and then an underscore, and then a name. All these different character names. Uh, give me some character names. Uh, Paul. <laughs> no. Um, Sebastian Rex and um, 
sweater mama 423 and the knit master <laughs> do um, you have a knit sweater in front of you right now no i actually don't um <laughs> i aced ap calculus great um great. you know uh <laughs> for, for all, all kinds of names from arceus atheist to zodiac boy and he scrolls through he finds a folder labeled buzz cut 313 and his heart starts pounding and he double clicks and windows 7 goes you need admin access to fucking get into this folder you dumb stupid and he's like <laughs> god freaking uac now now i know why windows didn't uh last and he goes into the user access settings and uh gives himself admin access and opens the folder with his own name and there's uh a link in there uh with a with a little fourth life icon and he hesitates for a second but then he looks over at Graham who's still snoozing and then he just puts on the VR headset and double clicks the uh link with his name and fourth life starts up but it's a different version of fourth life the fourth life logo comes up and it goes the fourth life jingle plays you know but then the four sort of jitters and it flips over for a second and um for a moment before the main menu loads that fractal pattern appears again on screen and as he reaches the login screen he gets ready to try to type in his login information but he doesn't need to it just logs into his account for him and there's his character buzzcut313 and it's just there with zero equipment in its underwear standing around everything's been removed it's just sort of doing the idle animation you know where they sort of pump up and down as if they're breathing very heavily all, all the stats are like question marks his all his cosmetics are gone like all his um uh, his his like bandolier of super large bullets and his new armored gauntlets yeah yeah and also like his hair color his cool scars his tribal tattoo yeah and his skate boots all of that is gone um and it says location question mark question mark question mark and he hits play but instead of the camera moving straight into that character's head and dropping him into the world um a little text box appears asking him to enter a code and he puts in his password but it doesn't work tries variations of his password but it doesn't work he tries his name he tries cincinnati's name frustrated he finally opens the headset and rubs his eyes and goes <sighs> and then um graham taps him on the shoulder and he goes oh hey you're up and she says let me give that a try they don't call me techno gremlin for nothing she cracks her fingers is this working for you at all i feel like i'm sort of yeah yeah, yeah. no no no. go for it i want you to take control because i i i I literally drove us to cincinnati so (laughs) she has spent last night analyzing the fractal pattern they got a good screenshot of it and they printed it out in different sizes and it's not that complex and it's recursive. It's recursive, so it repeats, exactly. So Graham has been sitting around figuring out the pattern and trying to translate it into various languages, binary, 
Unicode, UTF-8. I don't know if this makes any sense, but I hope it does. And she goes through the list of sort of hypothetical translations that the pattern could be. And really, it's just a, a very, it's a very, very long string. Um, and she's only ever like analyzed a small part of it. But if you can analyze enough of it to uncover the pattern, you could theoretically re reverse engineer the whole fractal. So she continues on that for a while um, with her laptop um, tapping away with the different different interpretations that she's got there and inputting them into a sort of pattern recognition software that tries to make sense of it and spits out various strings. She copy-pastes those strings over to Buzzy uh, and the um, input field that he has there is has a maximum of uh, 1,337 characters. So he puts in the first 1,337 characters of all these different interpretations of the fractal pattern until finally a little green check mark appears next to this text box. And he says, Graham, I think we do. Whoa! And then the VR headset seems almost to close on top of his eyes as he's jolted into the game again. And um, the neural feedback sets in. And this old headset is maybe a little rough around the edges. So the uh, sort of electromagnetic signals coming through are a little too intense and he's not used to this level of of haptic and neural feedback as he's sucked back into fourth life and back into the head of Buzzcut 313, the ritual character. And when Buzzy slowly opens his virtual eyes, blinking against white light, he looks around and he's in a cozy little house, a lot like the house in the blocks where he saw HM Darkvision. He's lying on a bed, and he reaches out and sort of feels the surfaces and feels the familiar textures and just the feel of being in fourth life. Very comforting, very familiar feel. And he exhales. <sighs> and then he looks out the window, and he sees the checker space. And he recoils, and he gets up, and he looks around, and he's kind of freaking out now. And he goes to the kitchen and looks out the window there and there's a checker space and he goes to the front door of the house and opens the door and this house is just floating in the checker space and all around it are dozens, no, hundreds of identical houses also floating in the checker space. And as he stares in awe, somebody behind him says, It's been a long time, sandwich. I love that. <laughs> That's so great. That yeah. is so great, dude. Yeah. We come to light to Webby, Viola, and Graham Sprite, and a rather plain and opaque rather than translucent Chief Chief Chief. They're sitting there on the curb, Viola still holding Buzzy's self recorder. And they're watching Chief 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 try to tell a story with his hands because they can't understand him. All they're hearing is the occasional... And they've, they've picked up some stuff, you know. They, they've picked up that 
the, the chief was ousted. They've picked up that the chief had his uh, voice privileges removed uh, a long time ago. And they picked up that the chief is stranded, kind of the way Viola is. But they don't really know why. Okay, says Viola. I am going to simply ask you a series of questions. And if yes, you go v. And if no, you go v. v. Does that work? And Chief 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 goes, <laughs> Were you there at the founding of Doglaw? <laughs> Do you know who else was there? Lolot was there? Lolot 69? Correct? The chief actually ponders this for a bit. It's a yes or no question, but it seems strange that the chief isn't answering immediately. Eventually, the chief nods and goes, <laughs> but then shakes his hands back and forth like it's not so clear-cut. Okay, interesting. Well, it's not so, so important. Interessant. Interessant. Uh, Frank was there. You know Frank, right? <laughs> well, she looks over at Wabi, and Wabi sort of nods. And she says, do you know that Frank is still on the server? The, the, the chief looks really surprised and points to Webby, like asking, is that Frank? <laughs> and Webby goes, ah, oh, no, not, I'm not, no, that's not me. It's, he's, it's, well, he's a house. The, the, the chief sort of cocks his head a little bit. Yeah, I think, well, he told me that there was no other way. I never really fully understood, but yeah, that's. The chief actually nods his head slowly. Like the chief understands, but can't explain. Okay, so evidently there was some tension between uh, the founders of the server, right? And Frank, I suppose, was kicked out? The, the chief nods really slowly and sort of breathes out and goes... <laughs> okay, okay. The most important question. What do you know? about this fractal symbol that has been appearing everywhere. And Webby taps her on the shoulder and goes, bye, that's, that's not a yes or no question. And Viola goes, oh, right, sorry. Uh, uh, the, the chief sort of holds his hand up and nods, and then he beckons them. And he walks up the steps to the house that they're sitting in front, one of the countless uh, replica houses in the blocks. And he just opens the front door. And Viola and Webby, sort of confused, follow him inside. And he walks into the living room, and he points at the TV. And from the TV is pouring forth darkness or negative light. The same darkness that Buzzy saw not too long ago, but this is the first time Viola and Webby are seeing it. What is that? The chief sighs. He... Th thinks for a second, as if trying to figure out how to, how to translate a complex... <laughs> Again, this is not a yes or no question, so he has to translate his complex answer into hand signs. And he decides on raising his index finger and then making a zero with his hand. Over and over, raising his index finger and making a zero. One, zero, one, zero, one, zero, one. And uh, Viola goes, it is... Ones and zeros. And Webby goes, data, it's feeding 
data, right? It's, it's, it's sending data into our server from somewhere else? Uh, the chief sort of tilts his hand like almost. Okay, okay. And then makes the hand gesture back and forth. Right, it's an exchange. Okay. So they are using the Doglo servers, the blocks as a front for some sort of deeper server that is accessible elsewise. The the chief sort of tilts his head back and forth, like more or less. Okay, okay. It fits with the uh, weird weird exchange of items that we've seen previously, right, Webby? Webby nods. So uh, how do we get to this sub-server then? How do we get to this hidden space? The The chief takes a deep breath and he leans over to the TV and reaches to the bottom and it's an old cathode ray. At the bottom of the TV is an old VCR attached to it. And he pushes the eject button and out of the VCR comes an old VCR cassette tape. Yes. And he grabs it. And so he holding the cassette tape in his hand, motions Webby and Viola to back up. And for our older listeners, I apologize. This is going to be a painful experience. Oh, no. He flips open the little flap on the VCR and he grabs the tape with his fingers and he pulls it out with a sort of screeching sound as he pulls the tape out with his fingers. And as he grabs it, it starts gushing this black ick. It just starts dripping out of the VCR, like like he just uncorked a, a bottle of champagne. And it just it just starts oozing and dripping, and it's getting over his hands, and it's dripping onto the floor and the couch, and then the floor starts to fade, and his his hand starts to crackle and snap, and the the cassette tape starts to disintegrate in his hands, and the chief sighs. And then his hand falls off. And then the floor starts to open up. And as Webby and Viola can see the checker space starting to form, the black goo proliferates on him as if it's eating him to create more of itself. From his wrist, it, it crawls up his arm. And he waves to the two to jump into the hole and gives a thumbs up. Tries to give a, give a thumbs up with his missing hand and then gives a thumbs up with the other hand. <laughs> we really have a thing with missing hands on this show. We do, we do. And uh, Webby says, we can't just leave you here. You're being eaten by black goo. <laughs> and Viola says, uh, will you be fine if we just leave you? And uh, the chief nods and goes, Vv. and Viola goes, was that, that was kind of unclear. Was that a single v or was that a v v? Because you have to be clear with the V. And the captain goes, V! And Viola says, okay, Webby, let's jump. And Webby says, okay, I guess. And the two of them jump through the hole that the blackness has eaten into the floor and into the checkered space. And as they disappear into the, into the non-reality, with his last motions, the chief pulls out a, a little multi-tool and with a little yellow laser, draws a line, a, a box around the contaminated area and puts up another yellow warning sign. Caution, hole in reality. Freezing that part of the house. And then slowly, 
he disintegrates. Now, falling would be a, a, a too simple a word to describe what Webby and Viola are experiencing. They're moving through space, experiencing no air, no friction, and the space around them is not showing their movement. The checkered space doesn't change. It's always the same sized checkers, no matter where you look. That's the point of the checkered space. And so without any evidence that they're falling, they know that they're falling. They know because they can feel that pit in their stomach rise as their stomach crawls up into their esophagus the way you only feel when you're going over a hill in a roller coaster. But there's nothing else. They're just falling. And they fall and they fall for minutes and minutes. We hear a beeping. Buzzy looks around, looks up to this man-bat character, and the man-bat looks around as well. And he says, I think we got some new guests. And he runs back over to an old home PC set up in the living room of this house and clacks away on this big uh, tan keyboard and swings the mouse around a little bit and pulls up what looks to be a, a map. And there's two red dots sliding across the map, sort of from the bottom left corner up and to the right. Heading straight for them. Heading straight for them. The man-bat character jumps up, and Buzzy follows him with his eyes confused. Wait, are you? Wait, who? What? What? Are you? What? And the man-bat turns to him and says, Yeah, it's me. I know, your sandwich. We've met a few times. Nice to meet you. I gotta real quick defend my home. And he kicks down a door, revealing a supply closet behind it, and picks up a great axe of debilitating debilitation. Super. Stupefying debilitating. Stupendous debilitation. Stupendous debilitation. (laughs) And readies himself at the door. And he says, here, you might need this. And he tosses a gold ball peen hammer to Buzzy. And Buzzy catches it out of the air. Sick. They stand at the door and at the window at the ready, looking into the checkered space, expecting somebody to drop in from the southwest, as you described it. But they didn't account for the third dimension. And suddenly, on top of the house, it goes... And they both look up. Ah, says the man bat. I didn't account for the third dimension. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither, Buzzy says. They hear, oh, this body is not as resilient as oh, the flamingo. <laughs> Where are we? Webby, are, uh, are you okay? And they hear, hear skittering feet on the roof. This is insane. There's, there's a whole copy of the blocks here, but like arranged in three dimensions. Are people actually living here? And as they stare out into the blocks, uh, a skylight next to them explodes out into the air, propelled by a large, scaly, or leathery black foot. And a man-bat creature pokes his head out and looks at the two of them. 
Okay, hands up. And he points his great axe at them. And the two raise... He recognizes, he recognizes Grem. Oh, fuck, he recognizes Grem. And he goes, Grem? It's been too long, buddy. And he jumps out onto the roof with one big leap and picks Grem up and hugs her. And Viola, with her arms, with Grem's <laughs> arms pinned against her. Yeah. Looks at, looks at Webby and tries to shrug, and Webby sort of shrugs. And Buzzy follows and jumps out up onto the uh, roof and says, does he speak? Wait, he doesn't. He doesn't speak quite. And and right, right as he's about to speak, Viola says, "Okay, big man, you can let me down now." And Buzzy immediately stops because he realizes his voice modulator isn't on. That cosmetic disappeared with all his other cosmetics. As soon as he speaks, Viola's going to hear that he's an eleven-year-old kid, and so he just nods at her, and she makes eye contact. She she sees him, and she she says. Buzzy, I, I'm very, very happy to see you, but you are in your underwear. Where are your clothes? And Buzzy shrugs. Has the, uh, has the cat got your tongue? She said that in episode one. Oh my God, call back. Buzzy looks around panicking and tries to think of something and then finally goes, <laughs> I know how to deal with this. Yes or no questions only. <laughs> Oh no, they took away his voice too. And Buzzy goes, mm, mm, mm. Sandwich. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> Sandwich. What are you doing? <clears throat> what is this sandwich? Sa- sandwich? C'est quoi ça? Hey, Graham, was it, did you always have a very thick French accent? No, she's. What are you all talking about? My accent is not that thick. I can also talk in very normal American English if this is necessary. All right, all right. You don't have to. You don't have to do. That. You don't have to do that. Um. So clearly, you're not Graham. No, I am not. But I know her. She lended me this sprite because uh, my own sprite was uh, sort of deleted out of fourth life. Tell me about it. I know what that's like. Well, my name's Cincinnati. It's nice to meet you. And he extends a sort of winged hand. Wait a minute. You're Cincinnati? Webby says. From what we've heard, you are a dragon? Some kind of butt dragon? Uh, Yeah, like, and your your name thing says HM Darkvision? So, like, what? It's a pseudonym. I've been doing some investigating. It's some some detective stuff you wouldn't understand. (laughs) Viola raises both of Graham's eyebrows and says, Try me. My name is Viola. V-I-0-1-4. <laughs> this is Webby Webbington. I used to be a detective with the uh, police on uh, Dog Law. Not anymore. Since recently, not anymore. Oh, you're from, you're from Dog Law. That's why you came from the Southwest. Okay, real quick, before we start exchanging information, I need you all to kind of... Unequip all your clothing items. It's no, like, it's no big deal. It's just, it's protocol around here. And Viola and Webby stare at him like, Excuse me? It's just, I gotta check that you guys don't have any fractalic on you. You know, the black goo? That's probably how you got here, right? The fractalic. Webby and Viola look at one another and sort of shrug. And Viola says, Turn around. The two of them remove all their cosmetics 
Webby removes her uh, eight lensed uh, glasses. You know, Viola removes her, well, Grem's various technological equipment. And surprisingly, Webby is still adorable, even without the, you know, extra accessories and stuff. Are you satisfied? We are not contaminated. Yeah, I guess. Uh, sorry about this. You can put your stuff back on. What even is this fractal goo that you're talking about? That's basically what we've been trying to find out this whole time. Let me, uh, let me show you. We cut to the deepest point of the checker space. The four of them took each other by the hand under Cincinnati's or Dark Vision's guidance and stepped off the side of the house. And again, for minutes and minutes and minutes, they fell. But this time, not through nothing. This time, they fell through rows and columns upon rows and columns of suburban homes. And finally, they slowed down as they reached a sort of center of gravity. And as they reached it, they felt gravity start to flip. And they flew back up. And they fell back and forth until they sort of stood on a balancing point at the center of the checker space. And in front of them is an enormous Vanta black slime blob. And from all the houses all around, a sort of black particulate matter is slowly flowing toward the blob. And it's so small near each individual house that you can barely see it. It's like smoke particles. You, can, you can't see them if there's too few of them. But here where it all congeals around the slime, it becomes visible. And there's just huge amounts of this black particulate flowing into the slime that seems to be ever-growing. And there are houses at the edge of the slime that are half-submersed in the blackness and are slowly being eaten up. And Cincinnati goes, This is the thing that ate me. You saw it happen, Sandwich. I mean... Buzzy, if you want to be called that now. Uh, it's the void slime. And it's the fractal. It's difficult to explain. You see, the, this fractal symbol, it's, it's endlessly recursive. And it's endlessly dense. And basically, it's, it's the key to infinite data storage. It's a method to compress in a way that doesn't take up more space. But at the same time, it's the most potent virus ever created in a virtual space. It'll eat everything and anything, if not contained. After the void slime ate me, I, I took a break for a while. I threw out all my old VR stuff. I was afraid it was contaminated. I looked at the structure of this fractal virus and I tried to isolate it, and the fact that you, Buzzy, were able to use my old equipment shows me that I did that successfully. So that's good. But I headed out onto the open road and switched equipment over and over again. and kept jumping in under different pseudonyms. It was actually kind of a good thing, because before that I was using my city name as my name, and, uh, you know, it was kind of better to come up with cool usernames. Like, HM Darkvision, that's a cool name, right? You guys get the reference, right? <laughs> Uh, and Viola's like, eh, I'm not sure. And Webby's like, I think I heard something about dark vision. And Buzzy's just like, v -v 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 -v. you guys don't get the reference. 
It's it's Pokemon and D&D. Come on, guys. What 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 are you Gen Gen whatever comes after Zed? What comes after Zed actually? Mm, what comes after Zed? Exclamation point. <laughs> Tune in for our ASMR podcast called What Comes After Zed. Hey, tweet at us and tell us what the next generation after Gen Z is going to be called. I stopped logging into World of Warcraft and you know Age of Empires and everything that I used to play with uh Frank and Grim, but I kept logging back in to third life, into my old uh, Cincinnati Sprite. It was always stuck in the same place in the middle of the slime. I'd log in every, you know, a few months or so, check up on it, but it was isolated. I'd, I'd done my best to, to keep the slime from spreading because I thought it was a, a bad idea, but I was curious, you know, what, what was it? But that thing in Third Life, that was just a prototype. That was just an early version of what they're doing here. I read online that something similar was going down. Some really sketchy message boards were talking about how Fourth Life offered much bigger opportunities in terms of collective data gathering and collective processing power for something like the fractal virus to really take hold. And there was, it was blockchain-based, so there was like a practically endless stream of new people and computers to feed off of. You could use all that processing power to, you know, manipulate blockchains, but also just straight up mine crypto like crazy. And uh, a couple of people got wise to that idea. So the guys who founded Doglaw, those were one of the four. Three other servers uh, are involved in this. And they would set up, you know, easy entrance... Uh, uh, Methods, you know, get a free house in the blocks, uh, check it out. And that was enough for them to download the fractal onto your computer. And then, you know, bit by bit, you'd be sharing your data with them without even knowing it. And you'd be mining crypto for them without even knowing it. And I noticed they did the same to my rig. I got it, had to buy a new one, had to set up a new character, come back. I've been doing that over and over again, just trying to figure out a way to take this whole operation down from the inside. But who's behind this? Dog Law or who? Yeah, Dog Law. So Lolhot is probably in on it. Uh, I don't know, the police chief, the police captain. No, no, we met the chief. He seems to be a nice guy. He, I don't think he was involved. Okay, then maybe not the chief, but this kid over here, and if you worked for the police, you, you've unwittingly been supporting this for years. And the other three servers are called uh, Cat Chaos, um, Bouncy Castles 79. <laughs> I know it sounds like a username, but it's the 79th server in a whole rank. You know how like Bouncy Castle game modes were a thing in early Fourth Life, sort of similar to surfing in, in Counter-Strike 20 years ago? Anyway, that server developed out of one of those. And then the fourth one, I can never remember its name. It's... uh. <laughs> the uh, the uh well the halo fan fiction server i know it's cringe but you know they're a very dedicated bunch so <laughs> this is all the evidence we need if if we if we can document this somehow we can we can take lolhot out like all we need is for everybody to to vote him out in a in in a blockchain vote well actually the moment you log out, they're going to be able to track you. 
they're going to know exactly who accessed the checker space and who was here. So you're going to have to get ready to move. You're going to get, you're going to have to get ready to hit the road and, and get out of there like I did because these fuckers, I mean, pardon my French, (laughs) no offense, Viola. How do you know that I am French? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you could be Quebecois, I guess. Take it back. Je ne suis pas Quebecois. These guys, this is a multi-million crypto business, and they want to protect it. So they'll come after you and erase you in real life if you're not careful. I don't know where you guys are, but you got to move soon and fast and... Either never log in here again, or never stop moving. Buzzy, you were able to log in here. You un- you unlocked the fractal, right? Or I assume it was your sister who did that. Good job. Here. And he types something on his arm computer, and a, a, a vector shoots out of it and over to Buzzy's arm. And Buzzy reads another string of random characters. That is an encrypted location. Uh, uh, decrypt it using the fractal code. Meet me there. Maybe I can get you to a safe haven. Don't log back in to here or, well, anywhere else for a week. I'll see you then. Through the musty, cracked, old headphones that don't seal and isolate VR space the way that Buzzy's nice headphones at home did, he hears a siren in the distance, he feels a shift and a shake, and he feels himself, his body swinging, but his VR body isn't moving. Uh, 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 and suddenly, he feels the entire truck move underneath him, and Grem yelps somewhere outside of his headphones. Buzzy falls to the ground and falls onto the roof, accordingly in VR, and yelps, Ow! Gosh! And then he looks up at Viola and claps his hands over his mouth. And she goes, what? Uh, uh, Buzzy, are, are you okay? And Buzzy looks up at them and says, I'm fine. <laughs> Screw it. I'm fine. I just... And then his character disappears. As IRL, his headset is knocked off his head. We come crashing into reality as Graham is grabbing one swinging door of the back of the truck as it's opening and closing, as Fran is stepping on the gas as hard as she can, barreling down the road. Buzzy looks up and out of the back of the truck, holding on as games are falling off the shelf and the the couch is uh, sliding against its restraints, holding it to the side. Graham manages to close one door and the other one flips open and Outside, chasing them, are three Crown Vic police cars. They look straight out of an old 70s movie. White and black with the red and blue lights on the top. And the sirens are blaring. They're chasing fast. A um, voice comes through over the over one of the car's loudspeaker. Just on the front of the road, please. I won't say it again. Go to the right side of the road. And um, Fran is frantically maneuvering <laughs> through delivery robots who now look up at the car and their eyes flash red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. And they go, please halt. Please halt. 
and they try to crash into the car, making it stop. One of the de- delivery robots, one of these humanoid ones with the with the single wheel on the bottom, speeds up against the truck and pushes against the hood, um, locking its brakes. But this truck is too strong because it has a diesel motor. Yes, diesel. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the the robot's spine bends in front of the hood, and finally it's cracked in the middle, and the truck pushes through it. Sending shrapnel everywhere. Pthump, pthump. And uh, Hank reaches over to the steering wheel and rips it to the side, sending the truck swiveling around a corner, uh, so tight and so you know near death experience like that the cop cars don't manage to follow and they speed off in another direction. You crazy! What are you doing, Hank? Well, I'm shaking the cops, obviously. All right, Frank. Sorry. Wow. All right, Hank. If you're going to do that, we're going to have to set up our usual rig. And she flips a makeshift uh, panel in the dash, and she turns a couple switches, and the the dash on Hank's side turns inside out, and a steering wheel shows up on that side as well. And some pedals slip up from the floorboard. <laughs> and Fran looks, to the, looks through the back window and says, It's actually an old driver's ed car. We stole it. <laughs> it's a truck. No, I think it's an old driver's ed truck. That's, that works, right? <laughs> um, and and she says, if you think that we're good at controlling one sprite with two people, you should see us drive. And the independent suspension and independent driving wheels of the car are now controlled by both Fran and Hank. And they're an absolute sink. They're an absolute sink. And as the cops pull down an alley and rejoin in the chase, Frank, Fran and Hank, flip their wheels to the side in unison and all four wheels of the truck turn horizontal and they slide horizontally down a different road. The whole truck not turning, but now sliding sideways. Awesome. Frank, uh, sorry, uh, Hank rips the e-brake and the back wheels stop and pop up over a robot that has positioned itself as a roadblock And then the truck turns about 45 degrees and lands. Fran turning her steering wheel and uh, isolating the front wheels so that they're moving at the 45 degree. And the truck is now balancing on its front wheels, sliding down the road, sliding down a thin road, dodging the various robots that have set up roadblocks along the way. Graham climbs up uh, the side of the truck that's now almost completely elevated upright, and she manages to close the back of the truck and latch it shut. Hank grabs the PA speaker again and says, we're experiencing a little bit of turbulence. I think you're going to have to uh, lock up your seats and uh, tray tables in the upright lock position. Please keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. We'll be coming around with refreshments when the turbulence ends, but for right now, please... Don't scream or vomit. There's some really expensive stuff back there. And they hear a click as the PA turns off again. And Fran and Hank, the Frank duo, put on a spectacular car chase as they dodge, dip, dive, and swerve through the streets of, you know, abandoned southern Cincinnati to get away from the cops. We got we to gotta ramp it up to one final jump or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We need a final jump. Yeah, yeah, okay. The Rolling Bridge. Yeah, exactly, exactly, the exactly. That's what I was, was about to say. They speed down Walnut Street, <laughs> past past Fountain Square, past 
the Renaissance Hotel's remains, <laughs> past the Dixie Terminal and the Bank of America. Th- these are places that I know because I've been to Cincinnati, not because I'm looking it up on Google Maps right now. They come around the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and, and, and come up on the roundabout at Anderson Pavilion, the roundabout that leads onto the Roebling Bridge. But the roundabout is just piled with delivery robots, and there's two separate police blocks, one blocking the entrance to the roundabout and one the exit on the other side. But the exit leading to the Roebling Bridge isn't blocked because who would who would turn toward a ruined bridge and, you know, they'll just land in the old Ohio River. As uh, Frank come up on this roundabout, they don't even need to exchange a glance. They know exactly what they're doing. Graham and Buzzy are holding onto the sides in the back, looking, uh, looking at the two in perfect sync in the drift space or whatever it's called in Pacific Rim. <laughs> And both also in sync go, no, 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 please. As Frank spin their wheels around and with a jolting back and forth motion, weave their way past the first roadblock, then spin around on this roundabout, heading toward the bridge, both floor the gas. Um, I got to I got to I'm going to open a street view of the bridge just so I can sort of (laughs) imagine I don't know how many of our Cincinnati listeners there are, but I appreciate your patience with us redefining what Cincinnati <laughs> is. And sorry, we destroyed your city. They, they, they start speeding up this bridge, which is half raised in its crumbled state. Perfect. It's like a ramp, you know? But the back half of the bridge is collapsed. There's no landing to the ramp. To make it, they'd have to make it all the way across to the other side. All the way across the Ohio River, which at this point, at this spot is about, oh, 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 uh, it's about, well, from the end, end of the ramp, it's about 200 meters. Uh, and uh, Frank realized this as they speed toward the end of this higher piece of bridge, full speed. Over the PA system comes, attention passengers. I apologize, but it looks like we're going to have to be making a water landing. (laughs) Please remember that when the slides deploy, do not wear any high heels or sharp-toed shoes because you can puncture the slide. Leave all of your carry-ons behind and remember to grab your seat cover as it is a flotation device. And then click, the PA system goes off and Graham and Buzzy look at one another and take a deep breath. And Graham says... Time to take some inspiration from Cincinnati. And she kicks open the back doors of the truck and she's like hanging out. Come on, Buzz. Buzzy, what are you doing? And Buzzy is still on the little Windows 7 PC and she's like, you can't carry that. And he's like, no, no, I know. And he's looking at the screen and it goes and, and, and a little green bar finishes to completion 100%. Um, and at this point, there's bullets whizzing past the truck. They're being fired upon. And Buzzy finally pulls out the uh, USB stick he's got in the in the Win 7 PC and it goes <laughs> and um, just in that moment the truck leaves the bridge and flies up into the air and for a second they've got so much forward momentum they feel like oh we could easily jump 200 meters and then they feel the weight of this truck pulling them down or rather the truck falling and they start floating for a second. 
as um, Grem body slams Buzzy to push him out of the back of the truck. Uh, and Hank and Fran jump out of their their respective side doors and into the Ohio River, fifty feet below or whatever how high however high this bridge is. <laughs> I said feet too. I don't even know what a foot is. <laughs> As a European, I must say, a high distance but not fatal. <laughs> the truck crashes into the water with a deafening roar. The four of them crash into the water with less deafening splashes. <laughs> Buzzy is pulled under for a second and realizes he doesn't know how to swim. And for a moment of panic, he feels like he's being pushed down from all sides. He feels like he's back in the void slime. Everything's dark. He's fighting his way up, dog paddling. Finally, Grem's strong arms pull pull him to the surface. She can swim. She learned from mom. And they watch as this truck full of high-end and lower-end, but all in all very expensive VR equipment, sinks to the bottom of the Ohio River. Pulling themselves up onto a cracked open sewer grate, Graham pulls Buzzy out of the water and sits him on the side of the river. There's no sight of Fran and Hank. Graham doesn't even know if they can swim or where they went, but Buzzy's okay and they're alive. That's all that matters. Uh, okay. I think we shook him off. Yeah, I think so. What was so important about that USB? So what, what was on there? You, why'd you have to save that? Huh? You crazy boy? And she like smacks him lightly on the shoulder. And Buzzy says, It's worth it. I, uh... I've got something really important on the stick. Oh yeah, what could possibly be so important that you would risk your life like that? It's, um, it's the road to Cincinnati. And Graham goes, what? And so ends this arc of fourth life. Wow. What a chaotic story. Yeah, I hope the audience can hear my back cracking as I recover from two and a half hours of storytelling. <sighs> so that was a really long recording session. It's going to be a long episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to take a break from this story arc because it sort of grew beyond what we were ready for, I think. And it's only the second one that we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, so, But that also means exciting news. You'll be able to look forward to a whole new cast of characters and a whole new setting and a whole new, you know, Sam and Softy next time. So I thought you were going to say a whole new world. <laughs> you serious? Is that trademarked? Oh no, we're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had so much fun with this. It definitely got out of my control, but that's part of the wonder of jazz. You know, sometimes you're playing your instrument and then you realize that it's playing you. Happens. You're the instrument now, you know, and then your sax says, suck on this. I yeah, don't know. So suddenly somebody's blowing into you and you're making weird noises. It happens to me on a regular basis. Anyway, I'll just take this moment to say that uh, I don't know how many people have listened to this podcast so far, but I love each and every one of you. And I'm so glad that you're here along for this journey. Uh, and I'm so thankful to you, Sam, that you want to tell these stories with me. 
I'm so thankful to you, Softy. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you're the you're the one person in the world that I could do this with. I feel exactly the same way. Um, and I'm glad that we have a, a platform to share it with others. Yeah. Guys, if you enjoyed this clusterfuck of a story arc, tweet at us at StoryJazzCast and saying, oh my God, Fourth Life is so amazing and totally well-structured and not chaotic at all. Please continue that story arc. And maybe we will in a future set of episodes. And if you didn't like it, I sincerely hope you'll listen to the next one because I have no idea what it's going to be, but it's going to be completely different. Anything's possible. Anything's possible.